It's the Euro Digest here on Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Kane and Co. into the quarters as the last eight beckons for the three lines. Coming up today, we'll talk through the quarterfinal contenders before focusing in on our team of the tournament so far. Here to do that, we have Sports Features Editor at the Mirror, Mark Jones, and Mirror Fighting Editor, Martin Domin. Guys, I hope you're both well. And uh, it sort of feels, obviously, day before the quarterfinals gets underway, Martin, as, as though it's a good time to sort of reflect on what we have already seen so far through the tournament. There's been an abundance of quality. That has indeed, and, and perhaps the thing that we have seen more than anything is just the unpredictability, which makes what we're about to talk about maybe not as easy as you would think looking at the, at the fixtures. But there's, there was a big worry before the tournament started about how tired players were, about how fatigued they would be after a, an apparently long season, which might, reflect it, might have reflected in, in the quality on the pitch, but it's been quite the opposite. Maybe that's part of it. They're just so tired. They're just given up defending. But no, it's, it's been excellent, you know, without going into the places of festival of football, but so far so good. And it's hard to see really uh, it disappointing over the next 10 days or so. That's the thing, isn't it, Mark? Is I think off the back of the Premier League season in particular, we saw and just sort of, I suppose, the soul drain out of football week by week and VAR intervene and ruin as much as it could. This tournament seems to have actually sort of rejuvenated for a lot of people why we actually love this sport. Yeah, and the crowds help as well, haven't they? The um, you know the fact that as we've gone on longer, I know in, in Budapest wasn't it straight away that had the the full houses, but you know we're seeing now more and more people. Um, you know, especially at Wembley the other day, and the grounds are getting that bit more full, and the atmosphere is getting a bit more better. And, and yeah, I mean, coming off the back of a fairly long kind of drudge of a season, wasn't it? Which I think really once it sort of became clear in that kind of October, November time in the season. Hang on, we're not getting fans back for a while here. Um, it just suddenly it sucked all the air out of it a little bit. And so it's been nice to have this. And hopefully, hopefully this kind of sets us up now for kind of this return to normality and, and the idea that, you know, football is a bit more recognisable going forward now. Yeah, hope so. Hope it can be the case. Right, let's talk through the, the the last eight. Then the quarter final sides left still in Euro 2020, and I suppose we best start with the, the fixture that's first up tomorrow: Switzerland against Spain. And on the Swiss, Martin, nobody. You said before about the unpredictability. Absolutely nobody. I don't think saw Switzerland beating France. They'd never done it in a competitive game before. And what a game that was, a eh? and just I suppose how many of their players really rose to the occasion. Absolutely, and not, and not just before the game, but of course, 3-1 down, that, that dramatic period where France sort of um, saved the penalty and it turned it around, and really from then it looked as if they would go on to coast. I just, it, It's going to be a theme, I think, in these quarter-final ties, when you look at these teams who have essentially overachieved, they've pulled off at least one big result, and, and the question will be whether or not they can, they can go again. And you, you kind of... Wonder if they, if they will be able to to raise a game, but for now, uh, certainly uh, brilliant performance against France, and you just wonder how much France just took the, the foot off the step, foot off the step, foot off the pedal as well, and it'd be it'd be fascinating to see if Switzerland can go again. Yeah, definitely, Mark. It kind of feels like. I suppose that they've got a forward in Jordan Shakiri, a midfielder in Granite Xhaka, and everything from the outside you say is built around them. Hallmarks of of Wales in 2016. 
um yeah i guess so yeah yeah you, you you're relying on your on your, on your big players i thought uh seferovic the big forward was 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 very good against france he was a real handful wasn't he um shakiri and and Xhaka look as though um they really rise when they play for their country so yeah maybe there's a maybe there's a comparison there with someone like gareth bale or, or aaron ramsey maybe you know who are playing for a smaller nation but but they really feel they really feel something when they play for their country. Um, I thought Xhaka was great against France. I'm not, I'm not his biggest fan at all. Um, but he he was really controlled in midfield. I think he got a booking as well, didn't he? So um, I think he might miss the next game as well. So that that really, you know, kind of gave a real sort of statesman-like performance. I thought in, in midfield, and he, um, I know he's someone who's been linked with a move away from Arsenal. And I just wonder if he's one of these people who's sort of taking this opportunity now to go. Actually, you know. Um, in many ways, we might think, oh, Arsenal are better off rid of him. But is he better off going to play for a, a better team? And, you know, Arsenal, who came eighth in the Premier League. So, um, yeah, they, they were excellent. They um, they fully deserved to win the game. And um, it just, as, as you said, it just looked completely unlikely, didn't it? At 3-1 to France, you thought it's going to be 4-5. Um, I mean, France just, just capitulated. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, on Jacker, his Arsenal career sort of bookended by two dominating displays in European Championships for for Switzerland. But as you say, really didn't show that often enough at Arsenal. Uh, Martin, what about Spain then? Ten goals scored in their their last two games, but still, we all think are they really are they really at it? Well, this is the question. You know, for the first few games or for the group games, or certainly the first two group games, you just were not convinced at all, and. Um, Yes, they've started scoring, but then you can't possibly be fully confident in their defence. But that's the question. Are they just peaking at the right time? You know, We'll talk about Italy in a moment. Did they peak too soon? Um, are Spain peaking at the right time? Confidence, of course, flowing through the team. Morata is a great great little narrative himself. That, you know, had a terrible time of it, it seems, from, from fans. Um, if he needed to be fired up anymore, then he clearly is. You just you do. I certainly would imagine they will beat Switzerland. I, I do think they will, um, but it will be fascinating to see whether, that, as I say, they're on the upward curve or, or whether they're just so all over the place. It's just like it could, it could be another five three. Would, would, would anyone be surprised? Yeah, no, you, you, I don't think you would. I don't think you would, Mark. In looking at Spain as well, for for me, the sort of three individuals that immediately kind of leap out to you one being Alvaro Morata that, that Martin mentioned Ferran Torres in the last two games has got himself what three goals and has looked brilliant whether wide or going through the middle and the other player they're, they're not the Spain of old but if you drop Pedri into that sort of stellar cast of 2008 to 2012 he wouldn't have looked out of place would he? No um, just got so much time on the ball hasn't he um, <laughs> it was uh... It was funny when um, obviously he he scored the the own goal, didn't he? That um, that went in after of the goalkeeper, and I th- and I remember looking at the time because I, I was watching the game. I was out and I saw it happen, and I didn't know who it was who passed the ball back. And the first graphic came up and it said uh, Simon own goal. So I thought, oh, they're being nice to whoever it was who passed it back because they don't deserve that to go against them. But then they changed it and it was him. So yeah, I felt sorry for him, but um, he's been excellent. Yeah, he just looks he looks like you're gonna be we're going to be talking about him on the likes of these things for the next 10, 15 years, because he's going to be around. Um, I really like Torres as well. I think he's, he's um, someone who you're going to probably see a lot of at City next season with, with Aguero gone and question marks over Gabriel Jesus. I know they'll probably bring in, you know, 
a huge name forward, but but he looks like he's someone who can sort of bed in. He's had that season now, um, and he just looks. He always looks dangerous, doesn't he? He's he's, he's always got an eye for goal. Um, and yeah, he might just be someone who now they're in the knockout stages. He kicks on a bit and um, and makes a difference for him. Yeah, because we didn't really... I mean, we saw him in fits and starts, didn't we? I mean, if you're not a Manchester City fan, which none of us are, you, maybe you don't sort of keep too much of a close eye on him. But look lively for City. And as you say, I echo what you say, that I think next season could be a really big one for him. Other quarterfinal then, tomorrow, Martin, the huge one. Italy against Belgium. Now, a lot of people saying that this, the winner of this may well be the winner of, of the tournament. But these are going to be two top sides going at one another. Absolutely. And I definitely would say, I don't know whether they go on to win the tournament. You could say I hope they do, but I certainly think the winner of this quarterfinal probably makes it the final. And as I said, it'd be interesting to see whether, listen, I don't think any team ever goes through a whole tournament playing at their best every game. So maybe if this win over Austria was their little blip, if you like, even though they did win the game, they weren't quite as impressive. And then, I mean, if, let's put it this way, if Belgium were to get to the final and if Belgium had to win this tournament, they're certainly going to have done it the hard way. I um, thought they were impressive against against Portugal. Both ends of the pitch, really. Uh, I don't know, it's obviously a game between two two big teams and, and plenty of good players. Maybe it could be cagey for quite a while. Might not break out into the sort of end-to-end basketball-like football we've seen so far. No, I mean, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it, this mark for these sort of two sides because Italy looked so great in the group stage and maybe did have that sort of reality check against Austria but Belgium do seem to have kind of grown into the tournament but whilst their performances grow so does their injury list and you just wonder where the trade-off will come for them with that yeah because they're not the youngest of squads um and that's my only concern with them actually I think they I have them as favourites. I think I to be Italy and, and probably favourites for the whole thing now. Um, they've just got the the better quality of player, I think, in most positions. Probably bar defence because everyone seems to be about thirty five back there, don't they? And they and I mean, Vermaelen's still going, which I find incredible. But um, they, my worry for them, I'd say, is going to be if they're going to win it now, they're now going to have what uh, they're playing Friday. The final is a week on Sunday, so there's going to be three games in in just over a week there and they will probably get injuries uh kevin de bruyne is one that we know injured in the last game he's barely really played in the tournament i think he's, I think he's played the equivalent of two four games out of the four hasn't he um but on the flip side you can say he's fresh and and he could be the difference maker so um they're gonna need they're gonna need to dig in i think against italy and it it might be as martin says it might be a bit of a gritty kind of one nil or something but um i think they'll go through have Italy been the surprise of the tournament for you, Martin, in terms of just what level they've shown they can reach? I mean, they weren't at the World Cup and I suppose a lot of people haven't really been too fixated on the Italian national team. I heard a lot of things coming into the tournament about them and actually the top end of the pitch might not be sort of where they're so good, but three goals in their opening two games each, they sort of put that one to bed, didn't they? They did. And I wonder if, I mean, listen, the stats are there for everyone to see how good they have been. And I, I wonder if maybe we were just a bit blind to them rather than rather than it being that they weren't among the favourites. We just didn't put them among the favourites for the, the wrong reasons. Um, you know, we were too fixated on, on naturally France and Portugal and then Belgium. But I just, I know Mark's point about man for man, Belgium maybe being better. 
possibly right. But I've just got a feeling that Italy might just sneak through. As I say, I just think they were very impressive those first three games. Uh, they did enough against Austria. And maybe now they're just off the leash and, and they'll go on. I mean, where's where's the pressure really? I mean, listen, it's Italy. They're still a big nation, of course. But maybe there's just a little less pressure on them. Yeah, and just final one on Belgium, Mark. Romelu Lukaku, he's going to, I suppose, have to really be the talisman. He always sort of benefits off having that midfield behind him, creating for him. But sometimes these great world-class strikers just pick the team up by the scruff of the neck and drag them through the rounds in these knockout tournaments. And I think the Belgian media actually sort of fired in some criticism at him. He had to come out and say, look, I am world-class. I was the most sort of decorated player in Serie A last season. They were raving about me in Italy. Now his, his, his mission, I suppose, is to to dump Italy out. I think he's brilliant. I really do. I think um, he's a funny one because he, he does seem to have these constant critics. Um, and you think about his career in the Premier League and, you know, when he comes over to Chelsea when he's very young, goes to West Brom when he's, I think, 18, 19 on loan there, onto Everton where he goes permanent and he becomes kind of more of the player that we see now. Um, and then the Man United thing, I don't think, you know, he's not the only player to have struggled in that team in the last few years. And and it just seems to be he was a bit of a lightning rod for everything. Um, I, I, think, I think Man United would be better off with him there now. Um, so, yeah, he's... He's, I think he's a great player. I think he's someone who, I think having gone to Italy, notoriously, we all say, hardly to score goals in, done it, won the league. Um, this now, to me, it's setting up for him to, to really sort of fire them to, um, towards, to, towards the tournament because, as I said, it's probably the last time he might be playing with some of these people who would have been his mates for a long time in the same team. So he'll be really seeing this as a, as a sort of sense of duty now. Um, and as yeah, I, I, I really I can really see him having a big game against Italy and then same going forward as well. Yeah, okay, that's the uh, the, the sides involved in Friday's quarterfinals dealt with. Then on to, to Saturday, Czech Republic first up, we'll talk about Martin and Czech Republic have this history, a great history with the, the Euros in terms of going deep into the tournament, but maybe haven't done it with the flair of sort of teams of 96 or even the Euro 2004 squad that, that went far in the tournament as well. But they've got such a collective spirit between them that they just work to their strengths and try and dampen down and nullify the opposition exploiting their weaknesses they do and we talked about the Netherlands so many times about how they were they looked good but ultimately would probably come a cropper I'm not sure I thought that would be against the Czech Republic necessarily but you're right at the end of the day their best players are performing at the highest level you know you look at Thomas Suchek you look at Patrick Schick who are not Unknown players, of course. I mean, maybe Sheik's maybe come to people's attentions uh, this summer, but he's a, he's a £40 million striker, I believe, so it shouldn't be a huge surprise. But you're right, they've played to the strengths. The best players have performed. And again, a, a kind draw. You know, uh, OK, we'll come on to Denmark, I'm sure, and, and maybe that'll be one step too far, but you can't write them off at this stage. And, and they must be, again, absolutely nothing to lose. I suppose that they sort of highlight the point, don't they, Mark? That it's you, you play tournament football. You do what you need to edge out each opponent because Holland had come into that game with them as the top scorers in the group stage. Don't think they even registered a shot on target in the match against the Czechs. Yeah, they're really poor. Um, I think it goes back to a little of what we said earlier in terms of coming off the back of the season we've just had. 
if you've got a team that just does the right things and just functions and you know doesn't really do anything fuss, um, sort of overly you know fussy or whatever or just just sort of gets gets in the right positions and and gets in you know um, just just sort of put, puts in that effort puts in that they're, they're they're willing to match you for work rate at least and you might have better players but they will you know and I thought the way they played against Holland. Um, they just seem to be surrounding. I mean, someone like Wijnaldum, who you've seen have a real big influence on the games for them. I think he, I think I remember seeing a stat at half time of the game. He'd, he'd given the ball away every time he'd got it or something. He, he just kept on being surrounded by by these Czech players. Um, I think yeah, there's a, there's an element of, of of a kind draw perhaps, but they they um, they, they deserve to get there as much as everybody else. Um, I. I agree. I don't think they'll probably go any further, but but quarterfinals for them is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. What of their mark then, Martin? It's, it does feel a long time ago since you know we all watched in horror as as events unfolded in that opening game, and clearly, well, I think it's a combination of, of two things. I'm sure that has galvanised them. Uh, situations like that, I guess you can use the energy in one of two ways: either positively or, or it can affect you negatively. But also, I think they, they are a good team regardless, and they've just started to kick into gear. It took them uh, you know, a couple of games, what we saw in the third game in the group, and then against Wales. Um, they just really hit, hit stride at the right time. And, you know, talk about England having a good a good route to the final, but that, that could be a very, very interesting semi-final if they overcome um, Czech Republic. The strikers starting to fire as well. Defensively solid, exciting team. Yeah, Mark, I, w- I won't ask you about Denmark. It's probably still a bit sore for you. We'll, we'll move on to the, the, the final quarter final. And, and England's opponents, Ukraine. Uh, Andrei Shevchenko, of course, their manager takes a lot of the headlines and the attention. But I suppose what we said for, for Belgium might sort of be true for Ukraine, certainly after that bruising last 16 game with Sweden. It's just how many players they, they may well have left to put on the pitch. Yeah, and it's, you know, without the kind of most recognisable squad, um, he's using the squad, though, isn't he? I mean, I think the lad who got the winner the other night was his first appearance in the tournament. So um, he's uh, he's riding the crest of a wave. He's, um, I think, I remember saying this talking about their group previously, but there are many groups they probably wouldn't have got out of, um, but they got out of that one with Austria and and, and Holland in it. Um, and they played a Sweden side who looked. I mean, they they never really overly impressed me in their previous games, and they looked to be relying on little individual moments like Forsberg, who was was kind of a player in form, wasn't he? Uh, Isaac, who was someone who people spoke a lot of, but he just looked a little bit raw to me. Um, and Ukraine just managed the game and and got through it, and yeah, took it into extra time, and then just as we were all waiting for penalties, up, up, up they pop, and I think they were probably. People's second favourites in, in in that game in terms of going on to play England. I think everyone had Sweden written down, didn't they? In, in pencil in their in their wall charts there. But um, they will go into this quarterfinal with with no fear, I'm sure. Um, but it already feels like it's a step too far from really. Yeah, and, and England as well, Martin. You're the expert to cast judgment on them. Scotland, of course, the only team to, to stop England scoring thus far in the tournament. From the outside, is it being overhyped or, or, or England got a realistic chance at this? Oh, they definitely have a chance. Even even I can, can say that now. Uh, they were very impressive against Germany. 
And again, I was fairly critical of them at the start, but they have grown into it. As this, this key phrase that seems to be going around this summer is game management. And they seem to be managing their games very well. Gareth Southgate, I mean, honestly, I cannot imagine anyone can have a bad word to say about the man. Uh, a lot of, maybe not criticism, but certainly questions about his team in, in that hour before kickoff the other night. But Which game are you on about? Si- all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time he answers answers his critics and gets it right. Again, we talked about not so much injuries, but yellow cards. It will be interesting to see whether he does. I mean, I'm sure he'll change things up, whether he changes things up with those yellow cards in mind. Uh, thinking about the semi-finals, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't want to be disrespectful to, to Ukraine, but you have to you have to play the team you're playing, right? Ukraine are not on the same level. It is a winnable, a very winnable game. It's a game England should win. So maybe he takes that into consideration, makes the changes and makes sure that come the last four, even if he doesn't say it publicly, he can be at full strength. Right, before we go then today, we're going to pick our team of the tournament so far before the, the quarterfinals do get underway. We've spoken a lot about sort of the, the golden boot and even sort of player of the tournament contenders, but I, I think it best to put some names down, guys, as to who we would be picking for our team of the tournament. I'll kick things off with the goalkeeper. I'm going to put forward Jordan Pickford, um, purely because he's the only goalkeeper who's, who's yet to concede a goal. Yeah, he's mine. Um, I think I think there are better. I think there are better goalkeepers uh, at the tournament. But as you say, you're judging it on on these four games. And I think the only one you could maybe make an argument for someone like Donnarumma. But then you think, has he had? Has he been tested in the way that Pickford has? Um, you know, a couple of good saves, obviously the other day against Germany, which probably saves you'd expect him to make. But he's still there to make them. Um, same in in the Scotland game, he made he made a good stop, didn't he? So um, yeah, I'd I'd say him. You know, the whole thing of not conceding the goal and the defensive front has been very good, but but he seems to be a bit calmer when he plays for England, doesn't he? And probably playing with better players, it it, it raises him a little bit more. So so yeah, I'd have him. Yeah, definitely, uh, Martin. What about defenders? Then I think we'll, we'll go with the right back first. Uh, who are you who are you putting forward for for the right back? So I'm actually going for Billy Gilmore. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you into a secret. I've just got eleven Billy. Oh, actually, I've got ten Billy Gilmore, and then John McGinn. Just, just uh, <laughs> listen. Uh, no, in all seriousness, a couple of players. I like Stefan Lehner, uh, Austria's right back, put forward a lot. Um, you know, a little bit left field, but I'll, I'll put him in. I thought he was impressive against. I mean, I know they're out of the tournament now, but that shouldn't matter. And he, I thought he was impressive against against Italy. Yeah, okay. Mark, which centre backs have, have stood out for you? Um I have liked uh Christensen, Denmark. I, I I like him anyway. I think he's always very good whenever he plays uh for Chelsea. Um Laporte uh for Spain, I think, has been someone who, you know, filling that gap that Ramos um kind of left there. Um and if I can mention a Welsh player, I'm gonna mention Joe Rodon, who was very good for for, for Wales in in those games before we got battered. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, probably you're probably going to pick uh, Christensen and, and, and Laporte out, out of those two. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I was going to put forward a Kanji as well. I thought against France, he yeah. was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And of course, he's, he's still in the tournament. Martin, you can you can pick the other fullback then and then you can take us into to the, uh, the, the central midfield player if you want. 
I like I like Spinazzola of Italy. I thought he was good from from the first game. Um, I'll be honest, a player I wasn't familiar with beforehand. Maybe that's on me. Um, but I thought he's be, I, I, you know maybe more of a, a wing back than, than a full back necessarily. But listen, uh, you love your your full backs slash wing backs to get forward, uh, and he's he's done that. Uh, got to pick a Danish player, I guess. Heiberg, Spurs. I think he's been very impressive uh, growing into the tournament along with the rest of the team. Yeah, definitely. Let's go, let's go with the three-man midfield. And Mark, if you want to put wingers in here or wherever you want to put them, it's it's all fantasy football, isn't it? Team of the tournament. We spoke about Pedri before. Would you would you give him a shout? He would be sitting on my bench. I'd, I'd look at him and I think I should probably be playing you if I was more of a technical manager. But but I like people who run up and down the pitch. So I'm going to. John McGinn's in. Yeah, I'm going to have one of them. I thought he had a great tournament yeah. for of getting up and down. Probably, if we've got Heuberg, then we probably can't have Jorginho, who I thought was has been very good for Italy. A little bit under the radar. Someone who, again, we see in the Premier League and he perhaps doesn't have the best reputation because he's seen as like Sarri's signing, isn't he, for Chelsea? And Sarri wasn't very much liked, but he, I think he's been good. Um, again, another under the radar, maybe someone like someone like Thorgan Hazard, who's played, I know, played, played off the left, but he he has looked very dangerous when he's, um, when he's played. He's got a few goals. And if, as I expect, uh, well, I say expect, I have a feeling Belgium could go on and win it. I know I've said Kevin De Bruyne hasn't played very often, but by the end of the tournament, he might be the player of the tournament. So, um, so pick however many, however many you want from there. I've named about five. But, um, uh, but no, I know I'd go with I'd go with one of them as the main one, and then um, I, I I still think uh, Jorginho's had a good tournament. Yeah, I, I was going to say Locatelli. I know he didn't actually yeah. get the start, did he, against Austria? Um, he's being linked with a move to Arsenal, so maybe that helps his his case too. But um, yeah, I think we put Hoiberg in. I think we put Vinaldum in, and uh, you know what? I'm I'm going to go for it. I pick Pickford. I'll pick Locatelli. I'll I'll, I'll throw him in there. Uh, Martin, what about forwards? Then you could we'll all pick one forward each here. How about that? That'll be fair. Martin, you you get first first pick. I'll go with the man who. Uh... Stuck a couple of daggers in my heart on on the on our first game, Patrick Schick. I think, you know, I'm sure the well the Kaku has been mentioned. I'm sure he'll be mentioned again. But I just think Schick's almost well, he's just a good solid, not a good solid. He's a good number nine, proper striker with with plenty in his locker. Um, and if if the Czechs are to do anything more in this tournament, then you can guarantee that he will be at the forefront. Mark, your striker, Sterling, I think. He has to be in across the across the front three. You have to find a place for him because he has perhaps not with the sort of fanciest football, but he, but he's been in positions. He's he's got an excellent kind of football intelligence. I think he's in the right places more times than you'd perhaps think. He's he's almost scoring the goals that Harry Kane should have been scoring, but he's he's, he's getting himself into those positions and he's um, and what has he scored? Three of England's four goals. So so. You know where would where would they be without him? Quite literally out. So um, yeah, so Sterling uh, Sterling for me. Yeah, I'm glad you picked him because I didn't want to get accused of, of bias. I'll pick Lukaku <laughs> then. He'll be the he'll be the man to, to finish well. off. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, and, and none of us picking Cristiano Ronaldo. We want this team to function. We don't want it to just be built around one man. We want it to somehow try and work. Before we go, then the final one. Who's gonna who's gonna manage these guys? Martin, who who would you say has been so far the, the coach <laughs> of the tournament? That's a good question. Hmm. I can't go for Billy Gilmore first one. 
Listen, okay, I'll tell you what, this will be my one contribution to, to England's summer. Let's go Gareth Southgate. You know what? I like the book. He's a good he's a good guy and and he's he's showing he's more than capable. Yeah, I have had absolute adoration for Roberto Mancini from the, the very first sort of night of the tournament. Mark, I've asked you about him plenty throughout the course of the tournament. I think he'd be he'd be my contender. So between Mancini and Southgate, unless you want to throw someone else into the mix, you can have the casting vote. I do want to throw someone else into the mix. I want to. Oh throw, God! I want to throw uh, Hellman, the uh, the Danish manager. Yeah. Um, because he. When Wales played them, we did well for 15 minutes and then he decided to change one thing and then they absolutely battered us. So um, when he moved Christensen into midfield, so um, I'm going with him. So can we have some sort of triple manager situation? Is that allowed? Or? Yeah, I, th- I think I think we can kind of work something. I, I tell you what, we, we'll let the, the listener decide of those three who they would want to manage the team because I think each of us put forward a, a strong sort of case for who we would want to, to manage this team. But that's it then. Our sort of look ahead to the quarterfinals and team of the tournament on this edition of the Euro Digest from myself, Guy Clark, Martin Dobbin and Mark Jones. Thanks for your time and your company. Do make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your audio on demand. But until next time, it's bye for now.